Hello, welcome to Hope Stream FM Weekly Bible Study Review with Pastor Solomon Odiyebuchi Okono. It's nice to have you here again on Hope Stream FM Weekly Bible Study Review. Today, the topic of our lesson is Unto the Least of These. The memory test is Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Please pray with me. Teach us again, dear Lord, how to love you and how to obey you, that it may be well with us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible often talks about strangers and the poor. From the Old to the New Testament, you'll find many references to strangers, the poor, the fatherless, and the widows. In Matthew 25, verse 40, the Bible referred to them as one of these. But who were these people in Bible times? When the Bible says strangers, it does not just mean anyone who has left his homeland for another's. Rather, the strangers of Bible times were people who had to leave their homeland because of war or famine. In our day, the equivalent of Bible strangers are refugees who have become destitute because of circumstances they did not choose. The fatherless are children who have lost their fathers through war, accident, or sickness. This group also could include those whose fathers are in prison or who are otherwise absent. The widows are those who, for some reasons, as a fatherless, have lost their spouses and have become single parents. These groups can benefit from the help that the church provides. In this week's lesson, we will see that helping the poor is not just an option. It's a command to follow the example of Jesus and to obey his commands. The life and ministry of Jesus. Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of a prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Early in his public ministry, Jesus returned to Nazareth, his hometown, where it appeared the whole local con congregation of people were already waiting for him having heard so much about his miracles. Jesus attended Sabbath services in the synagogue, according to his custom. There in the synagogue, the worship attendant handed him the scroll of prophet Isaiah, and Jesus read Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because... The Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. The religious leaders of Jesus' day had overlooked major prophecies 
about the Messiah's mission and glorious second coming. Also, most of the people believe the false idea that the Messiah's mission was to free Israel from its conquerors and oppressors, the Romans. Even John the Baptist did not fully understand the ministry of Jesus. Ellen G. White wrote in The Desire of Ages, page 215, like the Savior's disciples, John the Baptist did not understand the nature of Christ's kingdom. He expected Jesus to take the throne of David, and as time passed, and the Savior made no claim to kingly authority, John became perplexed and troubled. So, because of the people's lack of understanding, Jesus redirected their attention to his real mission in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. This must have come to them as a shock. Talking about the poor, many people had little or no regard for them in Jesus' day, since it was thought that they brought poverty upon themselves because of their sins. Jesus then called the people to be concerned about the plight of the poor and to take care of them. In this same way, he is calling you and I to be concerned about the poor and to care for them. God's provision for the poor. Leviticus 23 verse 22. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not make clean radiance of the corners of your field when you reap. Neither shall you gather any gleaning of your harvest. You shall leave them unto the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God. We see in this text that God has always cared for the poor, the strangers, the widows, and the fatherless. God's provision was that six years Israel should reap from their farmland, but the seventh year the field should be left for the strangers to glean. Leviticus 23, verses 10 and 11, and Leviticus 23, verse 23. This context may not apply to us today, since we may not all be farmers. But the principle still remains the same, that we should always think about the welfare of the poor, the strangers, the widows, and the fatherless. The psalmist added another dimension of thinking about the strangers the poor and orphans and the widows. In the words of the psalmist, caring for these ones should also include defending and delivering them out of the hands of the wicked and doing justice to the afflicted and the needy. Psalms 82 verses 3 and 4. As always, God has left promises for those who will obey his call to care for the strangers, the poor, the orphans, and the widows. In Proverbs 28, verse 27, God promised that he who gives to the poor will not lack. In Proverbs 29, verse 14, he promised that the king who judges the poor with truth, his throne will be established. And in Psalms 41, verse 1, David wrote, Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The rich young ruler Mark 10, verse 21, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come, 
take up the cross and follow me. In Mark 10, we have one of the shortest but most fascinating stories in the Bible. The story does not tell us much about a young man who came to Jesus, but we know that he was young, he was a ruler, he was rich, and that he wanted to learn about eternal life. Jesus' response to the young man was, Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come take up your cross and follow me. Why would Jesus give such a harsh condition? Well, Jesus does not require all of us to go sell all we have before we can follow him. But he possibly knew that wealth and material possessions had become this man's God and that he needed to give it up in order to receive salvation. Jesus was rather saying to this young rich ruler, have no other gods before me. In this same way, Jesus is saying to each one of us, go, give up your pride, or go, give up your qualifications, or go, give up your positions, or give up your love for fashion or for football, and come, follow me. Sadly, the young rich ruler walked away sorrowfully. Mark 10, 22. The point here is, is either you happily trade off something to receive salvation, or you walk away sorrowfully from God and you and be lost. But God wants us to choose him and live. We now know from experience and from biographies just how unsatisfying and how unreliable wealth, material possessions, and the things of this life can be. Our only security in life is in God and in the salvation that he offers to all. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's sake shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Mark chapter 8 verses 35 to 37. What does it mean to you to lose your life for the sake of the gospel? Zacchaeus, Luke 19, verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide in your house. Zacchaeus and the young rich ruler had some things in common. They both were wealthy. They both wanted Christ. As a task collector, Zacchaeus made his money by exerting more tasks than was really due. So he was hated by the people. Like the young rich ruler, he came under spiritual conviction that he needed Jesus. But unlike the young rich ruler, Zacchaeus was willing to pay the price for his conviction. He said, I will give half of my goods to the poor. Luke 19 verse 8. Jesus accepted his gesture as an expression of a true conversion, especially as he was the one who made the offer. He didn't say to him, sorry, Zacchaeus, it's either you give all or nothing, just as he said to the young rich ruler. It is possible Jesus knew that Zacchaeus did not make a god out of his own wealth and material possessions. After all, even before Jesus could say anything, 
Zacchaeus offered to give half of all he owned to the poor. He seemed to have had his relationship with wealth under better control than did the young ruler. When the rich young ruler had turned away from Jesus, the disciples marveled at their master's conditions to this man, and they wondered, with such a hard condition, who then can be saved? But Ellen G. White writes in The Desire of Ages, page 555, concerning the influence of Zacchaeus on the disciples. Now they had a demonstration of the truth of Christ's word. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Mark chapter 10, verses 24 to 26. They saw how through the grace of God, a rich man could enter into the kingdom of God. Consider the man Job. Job 1 verse 8, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feared God and eschewed evil? God referred to Job as a perfect man. The text says there was no one as perfect as he in the whole earth. Job 2 verse 3 says, Even in the days of his trouble, there was still none as perfect as he. And we read in Job 29 that one of the reasons God saw Job as the most upright man on earth was that Job met the needs of the poor, the fatherless, and the widows. Job 29 verses 12, 15, and 16. Because I delivered the poor that cried, and the fatherless, and him that had none to help him, I was eyes to the blind, and feet was I to the lame. I was a father to the poor, and the cause which I knew not, I searched out. Ellen G. White suggested in Testimonies for the Church, Volume 5, page 151, that we should not wait for the poor to come to us before we help them, but we should rather search them out and reach out to them. Do not wait for the poor to call your attention to their needs, she says. Act as did Job. The thing that he knew not, he searched out. Go on an inspecting tour and learn what is needed and how it can best be applied. In conclusion, social Darwinism is a concept which believes that it is wrong to care for the poor because there should always be the poor and the rich. But in contrast, God calls us to care for, defend, and fight for the rights of strangers, the poor, the widows, the orphans, the destitute, and the afflicted. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, teach us how, like Job, we can reach out to the poor, the fatherless, the widows, the strangers, that like Job, we may be declared righteous. And like him, you may bless us. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining me again on Hope Stream FM Weekly Bible Study Review. For questions, contributions, and prayers, you may reach out to me on WhatsApp on plus two three four nine zero three seven eight nine 
1680. God bless you.